0: You're listening to the Marathon Church podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit marathonchurch.org. We hope that this encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. Hello. Good to see you today. I'm Brian Cox, if you didn't know, one of the pastors here, and I'm so happy to be here. In fact, I have a couple of stories to tell you. Y'all like stories? Yes, we love stories. Um, well, when I was a teenager, and back in 1980-something, okay, some people, they tell me they were born in 92. I'm like, wow, that's great. Go away. No. But well, I remember this, this moment back in the day, and I was at a friend's house, and I'm sitting on a yellow beanbag chair in my tank top with Van Halen on it. Y'all know who that is? Okay. It's a band for, for some of you. Um, and, I, and we're watching uh, uh, MTV, which in those days stood for music television. I think it's more TV now. But we're watching this show. It's called Greatest Hair Bands. Okay, now it's not, just so you know, it's not a band you put in your hair that you wear. Okay, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about rock bands. Okay, y'all know what rock bands are, right? Musicians. Okay, y'all with me? Okay. Well, we're watching the show, and they have some of the most inspiring names I've ever seen. Uh, Megadeth. <laughs> Slaughter. Uh, let's see, Metallica, um, ACDC, Def Leppard, one of my personal favorites. <laughs> I like you, man. You're awesome, dude. Van Halen didn't classify as hair hairband, but we'll say Poison. <laughs> Y'all know Poison? God. what a crazy group. And then one of my, I don't know if I should say it my favorite, but one of the most interesting groups was Twisted Sister. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm nervous. Um, But they had this song. It was, (laughs) I watched it the other day, I had to. And I'm like, wow, this is what I want to do with my life. I said, Mom, guess what I want to do? That terrified her, I'm sure. No, we're not doing that, boy. No way. But I'm watching that, and this video came on. Some of you might have know it's classic video of Twisted Sister. The way it opens, it opens with a question, which I thought was very, very um, great for today's conversation. So I want you to watch this. Watch. Hello, students. School has begun. The summer is over. I am in command. All right, Mr. Sister, I want you to tell me what do you want to do with your life? What a question. Are you, like, overwhelmed right now? That's what I heard when I was a teenager. What do you want to do with your life? We want to rebel. That's what we want to do. But it was a question that actually... We ask every day. We asked it from the day we're born. I wonder what she's going to do when she grows up. I asked my 12-year-old the other day, what you going to do when you grow up? I'm not sure why I asked her that. Because she has no clue. A teacher, she said. That's great. You're going to be a teacher. Good. But it's a question that we always ask. But some of us may ask it like this. This is parts and rec, by the way. And it says, what do you want to do with your life? He said, I'm 100% certain that I am 0% sure of what I'm going to do. Some of you, especially you young folks, you feel that way. You know, you're like, I'm, I've tried, I went to college, I'm still not sure. I don't know if I should go to college, maybe I should. I don't know, maybe I should get a job. I don't know. It's a hard question. In fact, I think we confuse that question over time with what's the most important thing about you? What's the most important thing about me? What's the most important thing about life is what you do with your life, right? It seems logical. But I don't think that's the most important part about you or me. I don't think what you've done, what you've overcome, where you're from, I don't think that's the most important part about you. In fact, we're going to look at that for a minute. What is? I think there's something way more important about you than those things. So we're going to look at this. What do you want to do with your life? We have a quote that is going to help us think about what's most important when you ask that question. A.W. Tozer said this, "What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us." What comes right when I say God right now, what do you think of? He's what he's saying, that's the most important thing about you. I'm not saying he's right, Not sure, but it's a great question. In fact, C.S. Lewis, some of you may know who that is, a professor at Oxford, wrote the Chronicles of Nardia. He came back with this. This is what he said. I read in a periodical the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think about God. But God Himself, it is not. How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. Indeed, how we think of him is of no importance, except insofar as it is related to how he thinks of us. There's a lot of he thinks, he thinks thing going on there, isn't it? It's a little confusing. But what he's saying is, how you think of him is no importance unless it's related to how you think he thinks of you. Okay? I think they're both right, truthfully. I think how we think of God is very important. How we think God thinks of us is important. It's basically two sides of a pancake, two sides of the same coin. It, it works together. It makes a difference. That what we think God thinks about us, you ever thought about that? How I think of God. I believe that's the most important thing about you. Because I think it decides a lot about your life, where you go, what you do, how you act. When you know how God thinks about you. When you know how you think about God. I think a lot of us are confused. We don't, we don't understand some of that. So I think it's a great question. In fact, this is the premise we're going to work on next three weeks. We're going to talk about what God is really like. And for me, it's been it's been amazing to kind of see Jesus tell the stories. And sometimes I think we overlook it. But the concept, the premise is how we think about God matters. How you think about God, it matters. How you think he thinks about you, it matters. In fact, it's the most important thing about you. Some of you may say, I don't really get that. That's okay. I think it's at least a good conversation, right, to have? Well, I'm going to... Take a little turn here. Y'all smile. Hey, what by the way, welcome online. I didn't say hey to y'all. I'm so sorry. Hey. Okay. Will you accept this rose? Y'all know where that's from? Bachelor, Bachelorette. Well, I don't watch that trash. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. My wife watches it. No, I don't think she does. She told me not to say that last service. But I did. But um, it's, it's an incredible show. I'm not saying anything bad about these characters I'm going to talk about. It's just very interesting. In 2019, they had The Bachelorette. And you had Luke P. Oh, too far. Luke P. and Hannah B., Some of you might remember this, 2019. On the last episode, they had this big brouhaha, this big fight, okay? And she was defending her sexual past, okay? She said, yes, I did that, and God's forgiven me. And he was like, basically had the badge of the Christian, and he came across very judgmental to a lot of people. He said, well, you need to wait, until you're married. You don't need to be doing things like that. And so they got back and forth. In fact, they got into a Twitter war, which was very interesting because it gives the two sides of what we think God is like. So what I want to do, I want to read the Twits, Twits, Twitters to you, okay? Is that okay? All right. But I had to put my glasses on. No judgment. Okay? All right. At Luke, Parker 777, okay, this is is what she said to him. Because he started it, basically. She said, the devil wants to shame sin. God dealt with shame when he dealt with sin. So I will not allow someone who comes in the name of God to bring me something that God has taken off of me. So, Alabama Hannah, he responds. The difference is how we view sin is seen in the response. I'm weeping at mine and you're laughing at yours. All sin stings. My heart hurts for both of us. She responds. This is getting good, okay? Time and time again, Jesus loved and ate with sinners who laughed. And time, and time again, he rebuked saints that judged. Where do you fall, Luke? Question mark. Bachelorette. I think she's getting sarcastic now. He responds there's a difference between eating with sinners who laugh and sinners who laugh at their sin Sin is a very real thing that put Jesus on the cross, and that's no laughing matter And she said I have never said that I find my sin funny I'm not going to be lectured on appropriate emotional Responses by a guy who threw deli meat in a guy's lap because that's what he did later so you can see this war going on okay Hannah represents a group of people that believes that God is tolerant. He's forgiving. He's loving. He's weak, maybe. Luke P., he sees a God that judges, that's strong, that punishes sin. I think they're both right in some ways. I think they're just... They're just getting a little bit of God true. It's portions of God that are true. It's not the whole story. It's not the whole thing of who God is. And I think some of us are on this side, some of us are on this side, and we're all wondering what God is really like. Now, I could go all day today bringing up Twitter wars and videos of people that have opinions of who God really is. In fact, you see it every day on Facebook. Everywhere, you got, people have an opinion who God really is. The only person I know that really can tell us who God is is Jesus. And so we're going to use the words of Jesus today to tell us who God is. We're going to learn who the Father really is. Because he tells us. I think sometimes we kind of skim over it and we forget. But Jesus made it very clear in his day who the Father is and what he looks like and how he thinks and what he does, okay? Before we do that, I want to give you a little context before we go into these parables because I believe context matters, okay? Like when you, when you read something in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, you have to understand why it was written, when it was written, who it was written for because it makes a difference in how we perceive it, how we understand it context okay so we're going to go into the scripture here So we're going to start well actually let me say this before I do the scripture I don't want to miss this I missed this point how we think about God and how he thinks about us is so important because I said this how we think about God will determine who you are what you become and how you act you know you saw that with Luke P and Hannah B How they perceived God is how they reacted. How you think about God will determine who you become. You ever thought about that? That's why it's so important that you understand who he is. It determines who you are, who you become, how you will act. That's a big one. Because it's tough to get life right when we've got God wrong. See, when we get God right, we get life right. Okay. When we get God wrong, people get hurt. Have you been there? I have. I've been on that side. I've been on either side. And when you don't understand who God is, people get hurt. And we don't want to be a group of people or a church or believers. Man, our world needs the love of God so bad right now. Where do you think they're looking for it? Where are they looking for love right now? In all the wrong places, that's a song. Looking in politics, probably. Won't go there. (laughs) We're not even looking at God who said he's the father. He's the one that's the most important thing that should be in your life right now. Again, as believers, we need to know who God is. We need to understand how he thinks. So I want to read this, give you some context. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, these tax collectors, let me just put this where bad people. Say you went to a family reunion and your cousin came up to you and said, hey, guess what I'm doing now? What are you doing? I'm a tax collector. Really? You need to leave. We disown him because he's bad because they, they took from their families. They took from their friends. They were no good. And then you got a group of sinners. These guys were like, I don't really care what you do. I don't care about church. I don't care about religion. I just want to be me. Let me be me. You know, I just want to be what God created me to be. I don't care about all that. So you got these tax collectors and these sinners. They're gathering around to hear Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And then you got the other group. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Don't you love that word? They muttered. Doesn't that sound like you hear that in church all the time, don't you? Bunch of muttering. I mean, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. How dare him? Gosh, I hope we never get like that. I hope you're not like that. How dare you eat with sinners? How dare you hang out with them? Because, you see, they didn't understand who Jesus was. Jesus dropped a bomb right in the middle of them and said, Let me tell you who God is. He is nothing like them. See, the Pharisees represented the church. Think about it. They had the t shirts, they had the badge of Christian. Sounds familiar sometimes to all of us. How are we representing the church? That's what they were doing. And so when people saw Pharisees, that's who they thought God was. That's who God's like. When they see us, they say, that's who God's like. When I get mad in the car line, I have done that. I was, I I flew this week to Nashville and some things we did, helping some friends up there. It was awesome um, meeting with some people. But I said, we sat on the tarmac in Atlanta For almost an hour and I'm thinking this is getting ridiculous I really want to go up and say something that's not what we should do I got over it okay but we represent God I'm getting into another point here I'm sorry but we're representing God with what we do and that's what these people were doing they were representing God they had the t-shirt then Jesus told him this parable. So he's got this group of people. Okay, he's got the sinners, the tax collectors, and he's got the church people all gathered around in the same room. Isn't that fun? All together. He's going to tell them a parable. This is where Jesus was so amazing to take a story and put meaning with it. That's what a parable does. And basically, a parable, if you look at the Greek term, is parabala. It's two words put together. Bala means to throw. Para means to throw alongside. So you take story and meaning, you take a story and you throw meaning alongside of it. So it's a story with meaning. It's a story that has a purpose. And Jesus knew how to do this. He was a master storyteller. So he started telling this story. And they started, you know, like, yeah, that's great, let's let's hear it. So he starts with a coin. In a minute, I'm going to read the story to you, but I want to just tell you, got to preface it with this. The two, first two parables. He started with a lost coin. He said, a lady lost a coin. She had 10. Now she has nine. She lost one. She turned on the lights and cleaned her whole house to find it. And they're like, oh, that's great. Sounds good. And then she, he's talking about the next story was about a shepherd who had lost a sheep. He had 100 sheep. They're like, wow, this guy's rich. Yeah, but bummer, he lost one. So he left all the 99 to go find the one. And then the last story says there was a father who had a son. And he starts to tell them what God is really like. I want to ask you this question, though. Who is this parable directed toward, as you heard me kind of set it up? Who do you think it's toward? Pharisees. That's what it's initially directed for. He was telling them so they could get it. But they didn't get it. In fact, I don't think any of them got it. I don't think the sinners got it or the tax collectors understood what Jesus was saying. And I think maybe we don't get it. We have to get it. We have to to understand who God is. We have to know who he's like, what he's like. It's the most important thing about you, about me. So let's read this parable. This week I'm just going to read it to you. Maybe you've heard it, prodigal son. Maybe you haven't. Um, I would ask that you would read it. Go, go through it and read it. It's an awesome story. There's a lot of things in here to learn about who God really is. And this is what he's telling to these groups of people, trying to show them who God is. Got my glasses on. Here we go. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Okay. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and I am here starving to death? I will set out. He's already making his speech. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I will no longer... I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. This is getting really good here. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. He starts his speech. And against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatty calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. (laughs) He was lost and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. What a story. So I'd ask you this question after hearing that. How does Jesus want us to think about God? How does Jesus want us, us me and you, right now in this moment, how does he want you to think about God? As a father. Now, I've talked to some people about this. that They've had some difficult families. They didn't have a good father. Some of them didn't even have one. I heard that one in four families don't have fathers in this country. And it can be difficult for you to see God as that, as a father. But I want you to give me a minute, okay? I want you to just just listen. This wasn't a perfect illustration or a perfect metaphor, okay? This is just what Jesus in the day, in the context of the time a patriarch society where the Father was really this big figure, Jesus was saying, this is is who your Father can be. This is who he is. In fact, he referenced his Father 65 times in the New Testament. He even taught us how to pray. He said, our Father. He said, don't pray to me. Don't pray to the Holy Spirit. Pray to me. Our Father, which art in heaven. So Jesus is making it very personal. And that's what was tough for these folks to understand because they'd never seen this before. They never understood that God was personal. He wanted to be in a relationship with me. A few years ago, I went to, uh, I'll show you a picture. Went to Australia. Australia, I say that right Put another shrimp on the Bobby. That's the southern way of saying it Y'all, I'll stop, okay um, But I went to Hillsong it, it was the one of the most amazing places, church If you don't know, it's a church That uh, years ago I left music And that was the place to be Because they they, they're still just an amazing place And I got a chance to go And uh I went by myself, 3,000-plus miles, and to go to their conference, and one night I went to their church, and you had to take a taxi to the church. It was about an hour away, and they drove on the wrong side of the road. It was messing me up, I'm telling you. I thought I was hitting something the whole time, and, but I got there, went to the conference it was, or the service, and it was an incredible service. And I come out of the service. So I didn't know anyone. Okay, here I am, just this lost southern boy in Australia. I didn't know anybody. Is that how you say that? I didn't know anybody. Anyone. But I walked out, and I didn't realize that the taxi stopped running at 8 o'clock. I don't know why. My time was already messed up. I was 14 hours behind her head. I can't remember which one it was. But I'm standing there, and I realized in that moment that I didn't have a ride home. So I'm like, what am I going to do? And for a moment, I, I, I got terrified. Because I don't know if you've ever been there. This is the first time in my life, really, I had felt alone. Truly alone. See, this was the days with flip phones. Okay, I didn't have the luxury of whatever, GPS. But I, I remember standing there in front of that church. I'm like, God, you brought me all the way here just to leave me on this corner. And I'm truly, I'm like, I don't know what, I, I feel lonely. And i tell you why I remember it. I'll tell you why. I think this is what God did for me that day. A couple things. When I see people in this world, I relate when I see people on the side of the road or I see people struggling, I understand what loneliness can be. Just a glimpse of what it can be to be without anyone, to be without God, to be so far from Him. And it's terrifying. And I said, God, you got to help me. I don't know what to do. So I started asking around, okay? (laughs) I'm asking people. Now, A lot of, they were Asians and, I mean, just all kinds of people that, some of them couldn't speak English. So I'm like, can you give me a ride? And they're just looking at me. And they just walk away, literally. And finally, I met this wonderful couple, could barely speak any English. I said, can you give me a ride? And they both just looked at me, looked at each other, went, They were horrified, I'm going to tell you. I got in the car. They did not say a word for a whole hour, and I got back to my hotel. I say all that because God showed me in that moment how important he is in my life, how much he wants to be in a relationship with me, not just on a Sunday morning, not just you know every now and then, but he wants to have a personal relationship with me. So what is God like? Okay? Who is God like? A lot of people ask me that. Well, we're gonna look at this story real quick. I'm gonna give you some words that'll kind of help you connect the dots, I hope, with who God is like. Okay? Successful. If you look at the story, the father was very successful. He'd done well for him for himself. Okay? He'd made a business. He was doing well. Even in a famine, he was doing well. He was sacrificial. He sacrificed for his son. When his son asked him, he sacrificed. You know, if you take your inheritance and divide it up now, you're going to lose money. But he was willing to do that because he wanted to show his love to his son. He was responsive. He listened to his son. That's what God does. He listens. He's a father who listens. And he responded to show him his love. He was fair. I hear this a lot. God's not fair. But I believe God is. He's a holy God, just God. He's fair. He's a father who was fair. He's put up that inheritance evenly between the two sons. He was generous. You heard in the story earlier that he took care of those who worked for him. The son said, I want to be like them because I, I just want to be somewhere that I'm taken care of. And that's what he did. He took care of those who worked for him. He was trusting, maybe too much. He, tr- he, he gave the money to his child. You know, almost you could call it, his prodigal stands for like extravagantly wasteful, very extravagant. It's, you, just, you just waste everything. And I think the father could have been accused of that, being the prodigal, you know. He was patient. I love this part. As a father, it's hard to be patient. You understand? It's hard to be patient, but he let him go. He let him do what he needed to do. He didn't go running after him. He was hopeful. I believe he was a father who left the lights on. He always had the lights on waiting for him to come home. And then that one day he saw him and he came home. Now, some of you may not understand what it's like to be a father. But I remember the moment it happened to me when, I was, when Cassidy, my oldest, was born. I remember it like it was yesterday. This is a picture of us. Actually, I'm going to the picture. This is a picture of us right here. And you can see I'm a lot younger in that photo. But I remember that day, and I remember the doctors asked me to do way more than I was qualified for. You know, they wanted me to cut the cord. I'm like, you have a degree in that, you do it. You know, I'm not taking one class of medicine. But uh, I did it. I cut the cord, and it was scary and um, quite crazy, I mean. And, and they cleaned her up. They put her in my arms. And I remember looking at her, and I, and I said, Cassidy, you better do great things with your life. Okay? You better get straight A's. Because you're going to get the hope. That's the Hope Scholarship, if you didn't know. Because tuition is really, really high right now. And you're going to pay for half your car. You start saving right now. Okay. <laughs> you're going to pay rent when you're 18. Parents, you loving this, aren't you? I didn't say any of those things. I didn't. That was not what I was thinking in that day. See, I was thinking it doesn't matter what you do with your life. It doesn't matter if you get straight A's. It would be nice because we could get the hope. And if you embarrass me or embarrass your parents, tell me first before you tell your mother. You know, it didn't matter to me because she was my child it's hard the time I think about it I get emotional because you love your children I remember my mom always kept the lights on when I was stupid. (laughs) You see, that's the way the father sees you. He loves you. You're his daughter. You're his son. There's nothing you can do (laughs) that can make him stop loving you. I think that's what I want you to get today. Why it's so important that you understand who God is. That he wants to be your father. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. With you. you understand what I'm saying? It's not some far-off God. He wants to be right here beside you every moment of every day in your life. And it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how far you've gone. He's on the porch with the lights on, ready for you. I'm so glad he did that for me. So I want to ask you if you would consider thinking about God as a father maybe for the first time you've never had this you've never thought about it but would you consider that maybe you just need to tell him I'm mad right now <laughs> or I want my inheritance maybe you just need to tell him you love him It's very important. Because thinking about God as a father prepares the way for thinking about you as the father thinks about you. Until you are prepared to think about him as your father, you can't understand what he wants for you. You can't understand the life he means for you to have. It's that important. Because how you think decides who you become but I ask that you would do that. We're going to sing a song in a minute, but I want to pray. Let's pray together. If you would, bow your heads with me. Father, I just want to thank you for this wonderful day. I know some in here, they they struggle with, with that thought view as their father, I pray that you begin to encourage, give hope because we need to understand what you're really like and that you want that relationship you want to be a part of our lives in a big way that every thought we think you want to be a part of pray that you would just begin to work in hearts that people that maybe are far from you, that they will decide to to call you their father today. Just begin to work in hearts as we sing. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure to let us know by connecting with us at MarathonChurch.org. If you haven't already... Be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at MarathonChurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thanks for listening to the Marathon Church podcast.